the Tennis Gambling Podcast on the Sports Game Podcast Network, presented by our Patreon. Score exclusive perks, content, and contests, including our NFL win totals contest with a $1,000 prize. Join today at sportsgamepodcast.com slash Patreon. We're also brought to you by GameTime. Download the GameTime app to get last-minute tickets at the lowest price guaranteed. Use promo code SGPN for $20 off. Welcome, everybody, to the Tennis Gambling Podcast here on the Sports Gam Podcast. And Eric, it is currently early Thursday morning, August 17th. And I'm your host, as always, Scott Rochelle, once again, going solo for this pod. Should be a fun episode because we do have eight matches to go through. It is round of 16 time in Cincinnati on the men's side. So we're going to go through each of those matches, probably not that in-depth, but we will still cover all eight. And then we'll save the best plays, of course, for the lock and dog picks at the end of the show. But before we get into any of that, do want to recap what happened in the round of 32. And to start off with the lock and dog picks, not great when 0-2 on those. For the lock, we had a two-pit parlay. We had Zverev money line, and we had Dimenauer money line. And Zverev got there. He won in straight sets. And then you saw Dimenauer lose in straight sets to Monfi. Bit surprising that Monfi looked that sharp considering the knee injury. And I was going to fade him because of the injury as the main reason. But still, I do think once again with Monfi only landing 49% of his first serve points, you expect the hour to do a lot better job when it came to returning. And he did not. In fact, Monfi did not get broken in the entire match. He only faced two break points in the entire match. And overall, disappointing showing by Dimenauer. He did play a lot of tennis over the weekend in Toronto, but you saw Monfi look pretty good. And now he's a matchup against Djokovic, which should be pretty fun. But looking at the dog pick, ended up losing there too with Warenka and Tiafo over. Two and a half sets as Tiafo no-showed the match and lost in straight sets. Now, for that one, I was a bit torn on for my dog because when I was recording, I was going to stick with one of the two main trends in the head-to-head, which was each match going three sets and Warenka winning each of those matches. And unfortunately, I picked the wrong trend because Warenka did win, but it did not go three. I'm not shocked Tiafo struggled once again against Warenka, but I really didn't think he would roll over like that. And Tiafo. I'll tell you what, for a top 10 guy, I don't know how he's in the top 10 for ranking, and I don't know how he made a semi in the U.S. Open because you watch Tiafo play, and you just don't get it because he has all the talent in the world, but mentally, he's just not consistent enough to make deep runs in tournaments, and yet he somehow made the semi in the U.S. Open. I guess he was a bit fortunate that Nadal was injured, and Djokovic, I mean, Djokovic wouldn't have been in this quarter anyway, but still, I don't know. You just watch Tiafo play and you assume it'd be better and he's not. So that's kind of my brief uh, takeaway from Tiafo. But Warenka has looked good for the last couple of weeks. And we know he made the final in Umag before losing to Papyron in three. But Warenka has been better lately. So I want to at least acknowledge him and give him a shout out for improving his level. But still, Tiafo with a bad showing. And as a result, we lost the lock and the dog picks. However, Kind of a weird episode where we lost the main picks, but if you actually look at all the other leans that we had on the matches, we actually did very well. Uh, to go through the matches and some of the takeaways in general, we we liked Tommy Paul at minus 150 against Umber. He won in straight sets. We kind of skipped over the Medvedev-Musetti match. I leaned at Medvedev in straight sets, but they just played against each other, so I kind of stayed away. Uh, Sinner ended up losing to Lahovic. I didn't have much on that match because I was concerned about how Sinner would look following his title in Toronto. 
I didn't think he'd lose, but I really didn't have much on that match. Uh, Fritz and Sonigo, I did like Sonigo plus the games, and I thought that would go over. Probably three sets didn't get there, but the over did get there as it ended up landing 23. So that the over got there for the games, and Sonigo covered, so a decent read there. Then we had one of our better calls of the day. We had Purcell against Rude. We thought Purcell plus the games made a lot of sense. We liked the over in games. We liked the over in sets. And that was a pretty good price for the sets. And that got there. And Purcell ended up winning in three. Rude, once again, continues having a bad year outside of the French Open. And Purcell ended up, once again, showing great form in Cincinnati. And he's having himself a bit of a run here. So we're going to see what happens moving forward. But props to Purcell for making a good run. And once again, Rude's leaving a tournament early. But moving on, uh, we thought the Hurt Catch and Chorch match would be a war. That went to three sets. It went over. I thought Chorch would win, but I thought it would be a competitive match. And it was. So uh, got the call right there. Then for Sitsipas and Shelton, I lean to the over, but I didn't have much on that because Sitsipas is a head case, but Shelton I don't think is very good. I think he's fine, but he's mostly a big server, and that's really all he has. But you had no break points in the entire match for both players, which is kind of insane. And Sitsipas won in straight sets. So 7-6, seven, 7-6 six, seven, six win for Sitsipas. Then you had the Monfi win against Dimenauer. I got that one wrong. And then you had a couple retirements to end the night as you had McDonald beating Rune. And Rune retired. And you ended up seeing Djokovic beating Fakina. And, Fati- and uh, Fakina retired. Now, Fakina played a lot of tennis in Toronto as well. His back kind of tightened up in the middle of the first set. And you could tell that he was going to be done uh, relatively uh, soon after that because he couldn't really bend over. And a lot of his serving was arms-based, and he got broken in his final two service games to end the first set, and then he decided not to play again. But Rune, I'm not totally shocked that he lost because I mentioned how he lost to Giron, and I thought McDonald, after his good performance in Toronto, maybe could make life interesting for Rune, and he did. I didn't realize Rune, though, was battling an injury. So once again, McDonald got the job done, but a decent amount of underdogs ended up cashing. On the schedule, you saw McDonald at around plus 138. You had Warenka at around plus 163. You had Purcell, who was around uh, plus 240. Uh, Monfi ended up cashing. He was around plus 175. And you had Wahovich as the big underdog, who ended up cashing at plus 600. So once again, a pretty good day for the dogs. And besides that, though, we're going to see what happens moving forward. But for the episode, once again, the overall match breakdowns individually were not bad, but we picked the wrong ones to separate for the lock and dog pick. So hopefully we don't do that again. Hopefully we pick the right matches to separate. But either way, time to get into the round of 16. Don't really have any other takeaways. I kind of mentioned them as I went through the matches, but yeah, really not much else to add. Uh, You had a couple, once again, of shorter matches. You had... Two injuries, and Jari didn't show up, so Papyrus advanced by by walkover. But overall, pretty fun matches in general. Only two matches, though, went to three sets. couple of final set tiebreakers, though. You had a final set tiebreaker in the Paul match, a final set tiebreaker in the Sinner match, a final set tiebreaker in the Fritz match, and a final set tiebreaker in the Sitsipas match. So we had some chances to get three set matches, but that was not the case for the most part. Either way... Hopefully, we'll get some fun matches here on Thursday. And for the actual car, going to go in order here, starting off with the first match of the day, which is going to be between Papyrin and Rusevori. Uh, you have Rusevori is a pretty decent favorite here at minus 149. You have Papyrin at around plus 120. 
the other way, give or take, I found Rusevori at minus 159, Papyron at minus, uh, Papyron at plus 139 or so. So I'll go with those lines instead. Uh, Rusevori is around minus two on the game spread, minus 105. Papyron plus two is minus 115. Over-unders at 23. And I do think, once again, you're probably going to see a longer match here. Papyron has been involved in a lot of marathon matches, even through qualifying. He went to three sets against Havashka, three sets against Purcell, which he lost, actually. So he was a lucky loser. Then he ended up beating Altmaier in three sets, and then he ended up having the walkover against Jari yesterday. But the point is, he has gone to three sets a lot. If you even want to date back to his clay run in Umag, he did go to three sets in the last two rounds of his title-winning run in Umag. So he's actually gone to to deciding sets in each of the last five matches. So that is something to consider. Rusevori did go to a decider against Rublev, where he won. Uh, he also has had a couple of marathon matches in general, lost to Giron, for example, in Toronto, 7-6-7-6. I'm going to link to the over. There's no head-to-head here between these players, but I see a pretty competitive war between these two. Pretty good at serving, pretty powerful strokes. I see a bit of a of a, once again, ebbs and flows match here. I'm going to go with the over. I think you'll probably see a long match break out. I am going to lean to Rusevori, but it's not a strong lean. I like the over more. Now, moving on to the second match we're going to talk about, which is between Zverev and Medvedev. Really fun match for the Arana 16. They've seen each other a lot in their careers. In fact, I believe they've matched up 16 times in the past with Medvedev winning 10 of those 16 meetings. But anyway, to go through the actual odds for this match, Medvedev is the favorite, as Medvedev is around minus 207. Uh, Zverev's plus 177 for the spread. Medvedev's minus 3 at minus 105. Zverev is plus 3 at minus 115. Over-under is at 22.5. The under's at minus 119. Over is at minus 101. If you wanted to go three sets, you can find that at plus 140. Now, to go through the head-to-head once again, it is... I think it's either 9-6 to six or 10-6, depending on where you look. But still, Medvedev does have the edge. Now, Medvedev has won three straight meetings. All three meetings were this year. Uh, two of them were on clay, actually. So Medvedev's, perf- Medvedev's least favorite surface and Zverev's favorite surface. And Medvedev won both those meetings. One in Rome in straight sets. He won in Monte Carlo in three. They had a matchup on hardcore Indian Wells, which Medvedev won. It was a war, 6-7-7-6-7-5. So Medvedev got that done. And then you had a bunch of meetings in 2021 and 2020. But the point is Medvedev has done quite well historically. Zverev did win each of the first four meetings in the head-to-head, five of the first six, and then Medvedev completely flipped the script and has only lost one time since. Uh, Medvedev has won, let me just do the math really quickly, eight of the last nine meetings in the head-to-head. So once again, Medvedev does seem to have his number. Now, Indian Wells, I feel like it's a pretty interesting comp for this tournament because Indian Wells is the slowest hardcore tournament and Cincinnati is definitely one of the slowest. It's not as slow as Indian Wells, but the point is you do see a similar playing ground and that ended up turning into a three-set marathon. I think I'm going to lean to the over here and I do think that Zverev's alive to make this interesting. I think Medvedev's going to win because I think that he's mentally tougher than Zverev and I think Zverev might mentally fold in some big moments. But I do think looking at this overall match, you should see a very competitive battle that probably goes three. I like the plus 140 for the over two and a half sets, and I do think 22 and a half games does seem a little bit low. But on the hard courts, you have seen some very entertaining matchups 
between these players. I'm going to read off some of the hard courts uh, matchups recently. Indian Wells, I mentioned each of those three sets were wars. They faced off in the ATP Finals in 2021. Mevitt have won that one. There were two tie breaks involved, but it went three sets. Uh, if you want to even go further back, they put in the ATP Cup. That went to three sets as well with a 7-5 in the third set. You saw 2020. They faced off in the Paris Final. Mevitt have won in three sets there. The point is there have been a, a decent amount of marathon three-setters on hard court between these two. And even though Medvedev usually wins them, I do think that you you should be expecting a pretty competitive battle here. So give me the over uh, 22 and a half games and the sets. Maybe Medvedev in three. I think Zverev keeps it close, but I don't think he does enough to get over the finish line. Give me Medvedev to win a very close and very fun matchup. Now moving on to the to the uh, 1 p.m. matchups Eastern time. You have a matchup between McDonald and Manorino, which currently has no lines available. Forgot to mention that couple of these matches have no lines. I think for the sake of this matchup, I am going to link to McDonald. I think he's in better form. Manorino beat Gasquet and Felix, two guys who are definitely out of form. Meanwhile, McDonald beat Humphman, who is a solid player in general, but hasn't exactly played much hardcourt this year. And he beat Rune. I know Rune was injured, but still a pretty good win there. Not to mention the Toronto run, where he ended up beating Karatsev, Rublev, Raonic. Once again, he's in good form. I'm going to link to McDonald there. Can't really do much more uh, than lean that way because I don't have odds. So give me McDonald as a lean to beat Manorino. Then moving on to another fun match, you have Sitsipas taking on her catch. And for the odds on this one, Sitsipas is the favorite, as he should be, at minus 170. You have her catch at plus 150. As for the actual game spread, you can find that at plus 2 for her catch at minus 104. You can find minus 2 at minus 116. Over-under is around 24 and a half. Some books have 25, but I do see some 24 and a half, so like minus 130. But you can find over two and a half sets at plus 126. Now for the head-to-head, Sitsipas has owned the head-to-head against her catch, but that is a bit misleading because the matchups have actually been competitive. It's one of those weird mat, uh, one of those weird head-to-heads where you're looking at one guy who wins the majority of the matches, but a lot of them are really close. So Sitsipas in their careers, according to the ATP Tour website, is seven and two in the head-to-head, but you're going through the meetings here, and Sitsipas won the last match in Kazakhstan, which he won 7-6-6-3 back in 2022. They faced off three times on hard court in 20... Uh, sorry, two times in 2021, one time in 2020, and a bunch of times in 2019 on hard court. And to go through those meetings there, Hercatch won the meeting in Miami in 2021. That went to three sets. They faced off in Rotterdam, and Sitsipas won that one in three. Faced off in Rotterdam again in 2020, Sitsipas once again won in three. Faced off in Shanghai in 2019, Sitsipas won in three. Faced off in Canada, and Hercatch won that one in three. Faced off in Dubai, and Sitsipas once again won that one in three. So even though Sitsipas has won for the last five meetings, if you actually look back at a lot of the meetings since basically 2019, a lot of them go to three sets. And to go through the exact math for those, I'd like to point out that six of the last seven head-to-head meetings between these players, all on hard court, went to three sets. So I think you're looking at what should be a marathon. I like the over. You might see a similar match to what we saw for Pass on Wednesday, where you ended up seeing two tie breaks against an opponent who's a good server. But I like the overs here. 
I think her catch might be live. He's been playing some good tennis on the slower hard courts, and he ended up beating the defending champion in three sets yesterday. But I like the over for this match, and I do think that over two and a half sets at plus 126 is worth a look. But you're looking at what should be, once again, based on head-to-head, a matchup that goes down to the wire, probably involves at least one breaker, maybe two. So I'll lean to the over, and I will go with the underdog plus the games. I think you'll probably see her catch uh, end up losing in a very close battle. Maybe he wins and Paz once again falls apart. But for the sake of odds, I think plus 150 is a good deal on the dog. And I do think that 25, once again, is a fair number for games. But I'd rather take the sets. I think you're probably going to see three. So give me another long match there. Now, moving on to the next match, you have Alcaraz against Paul which is deja vu all over again because they just faced off against each other in Toronto. And you might remember that we had Paul as the lock for that episode. And he won. He ended up beating Alcaraz back-to-back years in Canada, one time in Montreal in 2022, then, of course, Toronto about a week ago. But they faced off on the 11th, and Paul won in three sets. He was a much better player for most of the match. And Alcaraz is once again a pretty big favorite. He's minus 352. Paul's plus 182 for the games. You can find plus four once again on Tommy Paul at minus 117. And Alcaraz minus four is minus 103. Over-under is 21.5. Over is minus 114. Under is minus 106. If you want to take the sets here, you can get over two and a half sets at plus 150. Under two and a half is minus 180, and Alcaraz to win in straight sets is minus 105. Paul to win a set is plus is a minus 125. So simply put, even though Alcaraz had a day off yesterday and Paul had to play a match against Umber, he won comfortably. So I'm not really scared by the fatigue. I guess the question is, do I have faith in Alcaraz to get vengeance for losing his last matchup against Paul? And I really don't, because Alcaraz really did not look good in his three-set match against Thompson. He won. He probably should have lost in straight sets if you want to actually factor how the first set ended. But I think Alcaraz, once again, has struggled a lot on the hard courts in this recent North American swing. He's been playing poorly on the slow hard courts, and Paul's very comfortable. And you're looking at Alcaraz, the four hardcore matches that he's played post-Wimbledon, and he beat Thompson in three. Once again, it's a win, but it's not great. Lost to Tommy Paul in three. Beat her catch in three. That was a war. Alcaraz didn't look great throughout that entire match either. And he beat Shelton, 6-3-7-6. And Shelton has a losing record on the year by a decent margin. So I think for this one, I'm going to take a pretty, a pretty simple approach. I'm going to go with Paul again, plus the games. I just think that Paul's a good matchup against Alcaraz. And I do think that... I should say Paul's a bad matchup for Alcaraz. It's a good matchup for Paul. And I do think, once again, with Alcaraz really struggling with the unforced errors, I think Paul's going to be able to, once again, make it a very interesting match. I think that the over two and a half sets of plus 150 is a very large one. I like the over once again. But plus four, I think, is very appealing for a guy that's won the last uh, two I'm sorry, he's won two of the three head-to-head meetings in the, in North America on hardcore because they faced off in Miami in the middle of the year, and Alcaraz won 6-4, 6-4. So even when Alcaraz beat Paul, it was competitive, and it didn't cover. So you might get a push here at four, but I do think with Paul's success against Alcaraz recently, I really can't lay four games with a guy that almost lost to Jordan Thompson on hardcore. I just can't do it. So give me Paul plus the games here, and I will link to the over as well for that one. Then moving on to the next match, you have Waranka taking on Purcell. I don't have lines on this one. 
I do think for this one, I am going to link to Warenka. Purcell's been in great form. Don't get me wrong. But Warenka, I just think, is going to overpower Purcell over the course of this match. Warenka's serving's gotten better. The forehand and backhand combo's been really good. And Purcell's more of a rallier. But I do think with Rude, once again, having a down year and Harris struggling with the wind on the uh, first day there in the first match, I think Purcell has been, once again, solid, but is going to beat him, in my opinion. So I'll lean to Warenka at what should be a minus price, probably not that big of a minus price. So I'll go with Warenka there. And moving on to the last two matches, you have Lahovich taking on Fritz. For this one, Fritz is a massive favorite. Fritz is around minus 520. And Lahovich is around plus 400. Uh, you have Fritz minus four and a half games at plus 110. Lahovich plus four and a half games is minus 130. Basically, four games is the default line at like minus 110, minus 115. Over unders at 21 and a half. The over is minus 113. The under is minus 107. And if you want the match to uh, potentially go three sets, you can find that at plus 180. Fritz to win in straight sets is minus 145. Lahovich to win a set is plus 115. So for the head-to-head between these players, uh, they have faced off a total of one time in their careers. Faced off on clay back in 2018, and Lahovich won. Does it mean anything for this matchup? No, not at all. Now, Lahovich looked good in the first round. He's also looked very good in qualifying because he has not dropped a set. Beat Hichikata in straight sets, beat Kubor in straight sets, beat Sarundalo in straight sets, and ended up beating Sinner in straight sets. For this one, I know it's not like a broken record. I know that all these overs are not going to cash, but I don't trust Fritz to win by margin because Lahovich has been very good here, and Fritz has still played a lot of tennis, and he has not exactly taken many breaks. But I think when you're looking at how this matchup should unfold, I do think that you're looking at a spot where Lahovich can keep this interesting. Is he going to win? I don't think so. But four and a half games is kind of massive. I'm going to take the four and a half games. I think you might see, once again, a similar uh, scoreline to what we saw in the Fritz and Sonigo match. Fritz wins, straight sets, 6-4, 7-6. Simple, keep it relatively close, and Lahovich loses with dignity. But I think Fritz, once again, winning by margin is not something I'm interested in. So I am going to go with Fritz to win, but not to cover. So give me Lahovich plus the four and a half. And for the last match, you have Djokovic against Monfi. Very interesting match. I have no lines on this, so I really can't talk about it that much. I don't have anything. Djokovic is 18-0 in the head-to-head. He's never lost against Monfi. 18-0? Like, I, I can't pick Monfi. I, I just can't do it. So I don't have anything on this match. Maybe Djokovic straight sets. I know that he's only played one hardcore set since Wimbledon because you saw Fakina quit immediately after the end of the first set. But if you're 18-0 against somebody... And once again, that guy is arguably the best player of all time. I'm probably not going to pick against him. So I'll lean to Djokovic in straight sets, but I don't have any lines. So I got nothing else to add there. But that's going to wrap it up for the preview of the round of 16. Now it's time for the lock and dog picks. But before we get into any of that, kind of a quick word from our sponsor. We're brought to you by Game Time. I don't know about all of you, but I love to attend sporting events in person. And the one thing that's annoying is about that is 
being stressed out when buying those tickets. Let me tell you right now that Game Time does solve that problem because Game Time is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all of the sports, music, comedy, and theaters near you. They also have great features on the app, including the images of seat views. And when I'm personally buying tickets, I love that feature because I like to know what my view is going to be if I do buy those tickets, and that helps me with the filtering down process before I make my purchase. But Game Time is the place for last-minute ticket deals. Forget planning months in advance. Game Time has deals on tickets gets right up to the day of the event and game the game time guarantee means that you'll always get the best price if you find tickets in the same section and row for less game time will credit you 110% of the difference snag tickets without the stress with game time Download the GameTime app, create an account, and use the code SGPN for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account or redeem the code SGPN for $20 off. Download GameTime today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. We're also brought to you by the SGP Patreon. Sign up for the Patreon to get exclusive access to contests, including the NFL Win Totals Contest, with a $1,000 first-place prize. Besides season-long contests, they also have weekly contests just for patrons, plus a monthly SGP Stories podcast, completely ad-free and full of behind-the-scenes stories from SGPN. There's even a Discord channel just for patrons. Only you can prevent corporate gambling. Do your part and sign up today. SportsCampodcast.com slash Patreon, SportsCampodcast.com slash Patreon. Welcome back, everyone, to the Tennis Gambling Podcast. Just finished previewing the round of 16 in Cincinnati. Now it's time to get into the lock and dog picks for the show. Starting off with the lock, I'm going to go back to the matchup between Hercatch and Sitsipas, and I am going to go with the over 24 and a half games at minus 120 as my lock. Simply put, we've seen, once again, how many three-set marathons these players have had in the last three, four years. So that's always def- that's always a way to get there. But we saw Sitsipas in his match against Shelton have no break points, and he also faced no break points. So returning has not exactly been a strong suit for Sitsipas lately, and her catch isn't a great returner either. But both guys are good at serving, and I do think you're going to end up seeing at least one breaker in this matchup. Her catch has kind of been a bit of a tiebreaker machine so far this year. But once again, a couple of ways to get there, either... A seven six seven six, maybe a seven six seven five, or you see once again another three set marathon between these players. I think you're going to see a longer match. Give me the over as a result. And for the dog, I am going to go back to the Tommy Paul and Alcaraz match. And for this one, I am going to go with the over twenty two and a half games at plus one hundred five. And I do think when you're looking at how these players match up against each other, once again it's pretty even. And with the slow speed of the hard courts here in Cincinnati. It benefits Paul. Now, of course, Alcaraz is still the better player, but Paul just beat Alcaraz, and I do think you might end up seeing a similar script to what we saw in the last match, which is a three-set marathon that could go down to the wire. Now, with that being the case, the over's going to get there. Now, there is a chance that you see a marathon two sets here, maybe a 7-6-6-4, which I think is a pretty reasonable outcome. I'm not sure Paul's going to win, because we tend to see players who lose in a head-to-head and immediately have a rematch about a week later, they usually play better the second time around. So I do think Alcaraz will look sharper, but I still have questions about his current form and the unforced errors. And I do think Paul in general is a bad matchup for Alcaraz because of the unforced errors that Alcaraz can't resist hitting. So I'm going to go with, once again, a similar script to what we saw in the last match about six days ago. Give me the over. I think plus 105, a 22 and a half game is a pretty solid deal. 
So I'm going to take it. So once again, the lock for the show is going to be on her catch and Sitsi Paz over 24 and a half games at minus 120. And the dog will be Tommy Paul and Alcaraz over 22 and a half games at plus 105. That's going to wrap it up for this episode. Find me on Twitter at Rice Show Radio. Find me on the NBA show, the WNBA show, the MLB show, the NFL show. You get the point. Until next time, good luck to all of you and all of your bets. Bye, everyone.